The Peculiar People podcast is brought to you by Woody'sClothing.com, the button-down shirt and chino company that offers the perfect fit guarantee. Guys, are you sick of wearing shirts to work or to church that are oversized or boxy? Are you sick of suffering through endless aisles and racks of clothing at the store or taking a giant guess on an online shop? Well, worry no more. Using advanced sizing algorithms, Woody'sClothing.com can accurately predict your measurements in seconds with as little as your height, weight, and average shirt size. No tape measure required. Shirts start selling at only 85 bucks and include free shipping and returns, so stop settling for small, medium, or large and get that perfect-fitting shirt with Woody'sClothing.com. Welcome into the Peculiar People podcast. My name is Nate Jones. Co-hosting with me today is Gavin Johnson. Say what's up, Gavin. What up? No, say what's up, Gavin. What's up, Gavin. Okay. Or Gavin. Um, really quick plug for our podcast. Um, the way to make it go is to rate and review the show. So when you find us on iTunes, Google, etc., all of your podcasting stations, um, follow us, give us a shout, and give us a rating, even if it's bad, which it won't be because this is an amazing show. Today we have on with us Nate Pfeiffer, music producer, musician, great-looking, studly man. Church right. ball extraordinaire. Church ball extraordinaire? I would say, yeah. Dude, I, don't, I can't remember the last time I played basketball. My knees and back are too bad, but yeah. ex-legend of church basketball. <laughs> ex-legend, League of Legends. If Ice Cube was to start a big three league of church basketball. Oh, yeah. I'd be on the bench, but I would be on the team. <laughs> Nice. Um, so, Nate, quick question for you. What makes you a peculiar person? Oh, man. Feel free to think about it. Or just no, say I, the first thing that pops in your head, whatever. I saw, I saw that. Uh, I saw, yeah, no, I saw that the name of the podcast was that, and I was like, man, I hope they don't ask me that. Because <laughs> I, I, like, it's, it's like a... It's like uh, when a it's like when you go to the psychologist and they they ask you what's wrong and you say like man I'm paying you like a hundred dollars an hour to like figure that out for me. <laughs> Peculiar people is a compliment of the highest order. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. It's nice. It gets the people going. You're supposed to tell me. Hey, but seriously, you found a psychologist that's only like $100 an hour? Because that's yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, no, but that's still like whatever. I, uh, when I was, uh, I, I, got, I got severely injured as a child. And, and when they were trying to make sure that I wasn't going to be a psychopath the rest of my life. They uh they, they sent me to psychiatrist and or psychologist and that really was his first question and I think my first answer was like oh I don't know man like I swear that's why they have me talking to you so <laughs> and then the, um, and then the psychologist handed you like a flute and was like no try music he, <laughs> no you know what he did is he just stared at me for a while and wrote, wrote stuff on a piece of paper and that just pissed me off and so I was like yeah I don't know I don't know if this relationship's gonna work I, I think it's I you it's me. I think I heard that song on your on your first album, right? With what what was that band when you were with the Moth and the Flame? That's about an experience with a psychiatrist. No, no, I wish it was. No, I, unfortunately, unfortunately, I didn't write any of those songs. Cause oh. Those guys, those guys write really good songs. Oh. Mine, uh, mine keep me in my basement, but whatever. Um, Probably my so, favorite song was the Code Hero, the one about your dream. 
Like, oh was that yeah, no, that was interesting. I love that, that was one. That was actually a real dream. But yeah, no, that's a that was that's still not in in a a, a particular or a specific reference to that particular psychiatrist psychologist guy. But um, but not to avoid the question, uh, uh, when. I think that uh, let's see what makes maybe maybe I'm peculiar because I love sports just as much as I love music, and it's sometimes hard to find people that kind of I mean whatever isn't it usually like the jocks against the like band nerds or something? Yeah. So you're just like the referee. Of yeah. That, the middle yeah. So basically. <laughs> So basically, I'm not good at either one of them, but I I, I blow um, beautiful tunes with my whistle as I'm calling fouls. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so we're going to read your uh, Wikipedia bio. Uh, oh, no. I think this actually does a pretty good job of explaining why you're, why you're peculiar, Nate. Oh, no. Um, Nate Pfeiffer, you may know him. He's an American record producer and songwriter, composer. I love how it says Pfeiffer after this. Pfeiffer has collaborated with Cascade, produced... Finn, how do I say that? Finn Jameson? Finn Bjornsson? Yeah. Yeah. On a number of projects, including co-writing the Grammy-nominated single, Atmosphere. Not only Grammy-nominated, but in all caps, Grammy-nominated. I want to know who wrote this. Um, I still never met who wrote this. I remember, yeah, when this came out, I was like, that's pretty sweet. But who who wrote it? Hey, Nate, you can be honest, man. Here's, let me tell you, I, I, teach a, I teach this high school class. I know what you're going to say, and I'm going to cut you off because I don't want you to say it. I, I teach this high school class, like a songwriting class, and yes, they also accused me of writing my own Wikipedia information. I mean, all, of, to, all of the misspellings? I mean, come on. Dude, I know, I'm, and I'm also illiterate. No, um, to, prove, to prove to them that I don't touch that page and I have made a commitment to never touch that page... I told them that they could write whatever they wanted on my Wikipedia page, and I will I will not edit it or erase it. And wow. they, they took that challenge to heart and wrote some of the wackiest things ever, but whoever the mystery person is that does keep that f- more or less kind of up-to-date would, like, erase it the second they would put it in. Yeah, someone's and on there, someone's on there it defending made me your sad. own. It made me sad. But but to prove to them that I didn't do it, I was like, look, you can put whatever you want in there. And they did. They did. <laughs> got weird, man. It, got it says it, right here he is best friends with um, American comedian and former uh, national treasure Bill Cosby. Yeah, see, really? me and Bill. <laughs> uh, you should get on there, dude, and uh, delete some of this stuff because I, yeah, no. I don't know. But. They, they would tell me about it, and every once in a while I'd get on to check to make sure that it wasn't something like that would actually get me in trouble with like the FBI. Um, <laughs> but uh, every time I get on there, it makes me feel kind of like weird. It makes me feel kind of, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, I, I definitely don't feel like I need a Wikipedia page for sure. <laughs> well, that's actually, we've, we've, in some of our interviews, you know, we've pulled up people's Wikipedia page and read it to them. And uh, it always seems to be a really awkward conversation about yeah. what's on their Wikipedia page versus um, what they actually have done or if they, yes. if they admit to whether or not they've actually read their Wikipedia page or not. But, oh, uh, I've read it. Yeah. Well, that's good. You're being honest about that even if you're not being honest about writing it. So anyways, <laughs> moving on. Um, Gavin uh, and I were really excited to have you on because we both are huge music fans. And cool. um, really, I was surprised to learn some of the music that you had created 
And you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't hate it. You know. Well, I appreciate that. That is a, that is actually a very nice compliment. And I absolutely hate it, but that's just me. That's okay. No. I would much no, rather have no, somebody hate it than be indifferent, I guess. Gavin's more yeah. of like a bluegrass, like any country music that was written between 1975 and 1992 sort of oh, guy. Oh, I'm familiar with the terrible music that Gavin listens to. <laughs> yeah. So if you if if you were Colin Ray, he would completely oh like bogart this conversation. But wow. you know, I'd love it. Yeah, or like Vince Gill or Restless uh, Heart. Restless Heart. Yeah. I'm a, I'm all right with Vince Gill. That dude's legit. Yeah, he's he's probably gonna be in Wendover, one of these days. Oh man. Um. So Gavin had Gavin wanted you to um you teed up Gavin about getting his background and all that stuff. Do you want me to like? Just ask him the question, bro. I know him, you wanted ask, to ask. Ask me the questions, dude. All right, all right. So. Nate, how did you, uh, like, what got you into the music industry other than the psychiatrist telling you to play the flute? Well, other than that, dude, you should put that on my Wikipedia page, by the way. <laughs> I'm, just saying, now. I, I'm just saying, like, I will also prove to you that I do not touch that page. You should put that Nate got into music after the psychiatrist told him to play the flute. Um, my high school kids will love that. Um, so, I mean, I've always been, I've, I come from a very musical family. My uh, my mom sings for Motab. My dad, ever since I can remember, has always been part of some like either men's choir or choir. Both of my sisters um, have always sung for various choirs. Same with both of my younger brothers. Um, you know, we've been whatever we perform songs and stuff all the time as a family, and and still do. Um, and so I guess getting into the music business, um, it's it's hard to say specifically. Um, because I, I sometimes still don't really know what that even means. Um, but I guess my first real foray into like getting paid to do music was when um, I met Brandon and Mark, um, who were the kind of founders of the band The Moth and the Flame, and um, just asked if I could like help record some songs for them. And they were like, yeah, sure. And uh, that project then you know, got legs and really started um, doing some stuff, and that really kind of opened the door for me for you know any of the projects that I've done since then. Really quickly, um, before yeah. before you got involved with them, what it was your musical background? I mean, like, were you more of a, a singer or were you, yeah, were you written performer. instruments? Yeah. What's up, flute? Yeah, yeah. I um I just had my own band, mm -hmm. um, Code Hero, and that was a long, I mean, even before that, I had, you know, some, I had, like, a ska band in high school and stuff like that, you know, which did not age well. I, I unfortunately heard some of those recordings the other day, and I was just like, I can't believe this, but dude, whatever, I was, like, 17 or something like that, and had no idea what I was doing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think my original dream had been, like, be a rock star, perform, like, my own songs with with a band, you know, and and sell out arenas type of thing or whatever, and uh, it never seemed to get legs um, like I'd hoped it would, but which was good, and it was my fault too. You know what I mean? It's like I I learned a lot of lessons from kind of failing in that in that world, and then um, after after band that I had been in for a few years kind of just faded out a little bit. I discovered that I actually just prefer being a studio rat and and messing around you know on a computer with instruments and 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 the performance side of it definitely took a back seat and and then I also realized like hey man I don't really need I don't need to have a lot of 
I don't need to be like the front man of something to be fulfilled musically. So I guess that's probably how that kind of shifted a little bit. Was that a um, conscious choice or was that a choice that you felt like uh, this is, you just sort of like uh, maneuvered into finding your calling by, you know, like tinkering with it? Or were you like, um, I don't like as much the hmm. performance side and performance yeah. side? Or was it sort of out of necessity when you were like saying, maybe I won't be a quote unquote rock star, but man, I love to create music? Yeah. I think the rock star failure pretty much just presented itself. You know what I mean? Like, there's really not much of, like, a... Well, I mean, was that the dream, though, even? (laughs) Oh, yeah, no, it was... I mean, dude, for sure, it was, like, for sure, it was, like, a dream, you know? And, again, like, it's it's funny going back through all of the various circumstances where I was, like, all right, this is going to be the break, this is going to be... And then when that failed, it was just devastating and the whole thing. No, I mean, it was for sure, like, it was, like, I I had always believed naively but maybe not naively it's like oh you can for sure be whatever you want to be you know and i'm like well i want to be a rock star so i'm going to do it but there but i don't think that i understood um all of the sacrifices and a lot of kind of just the dumb luck that kind of goes along with making that work and i don't think that i understood the hard work that goes into making that work for sure and so, like, when when that just kept failing over and over and over that was definitely not a conscious decision that was definitely that was definitely life explaining that to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like getting into production, um, that was that was kind of a conscious decision. I mean, again, it's like that also kind of presented itself too, though. You know, I mean, and I and I always say this kind of like the years of failing, tried to do my own band was like the best like education I could have possibly gotten on how to be a good you know, record producer, music producer, because like I was able to help young people with actual like talent and that could really do it. I was able to kind of be like, oh, hey, don't do this or else you're going to end up like I did. And then whatever. So anyways, yeah, I, I don't know if that was conscious at first, you know, like, oh, hey, now I want to just produce. But once um, once we started doing that Moth in the Flame stuff, I had never been happier doing music. And so I was like, oh. Well, I get to stay home and hang out with my wife and, you know, and eventually like my kids and this actually, I get paid doing this instead of just feeling like I'm losing money trying to be in a band and whatever. It's like all of the things that I was like, oh, cool. Now I know why. Now I know why I love doing this, you know. Yeah, I remember us like having a discussion like when you were in Orem in that like little apartment and you were working you know, different jobs and still trying to live, you know, the music career. And then I remember almost like you kind of came to a crossroads, like, do I go all in uh, with music and and producing or do I work this job to support a family? Because you were married. I don't know if you had uh, your first kid, but I don't know. But obviously you wanted to have kids and like, what do I do? Do I my family doing these jobs that I don't really care about it's just you know to pay the bills or or do I go on with that with music but when when you came to that crossroads I guess my question is when did you realize that music was gonna be you know like a career for you um well I mean I, I at that crossroads again that you're referring to it was definitely like you know I I was working for a good company like I loved my boss 
I loved what I was doing. I still love all of the people there, and it had been really kind of my only job since, you know, whatever. Um, and so, I guess that that, that the idea of that crossroads was just like, well, I could keep doing this probably for quite some time, but I, I, I would, I guess I wouldn't be as happy as I would be if I were, like, just both feet in. And it's like, I guess I would much rather just see what both feet in looks like, even if it means like failing and like having to go back to a job, you know, it's like, cool, I guess, I guess I can learn to make that work. Um, but like, surprisingly enough, again, like, and I'm a totally, total believer in the idea that it's like, when you, if you find something that you're passionate about, yeah, it might take you a minute to kind of figure out how to survive. But if you're if you're truly committed to it, like you'll kind of figure it out, you know. Even if it takes, even if there's definitely some like bumps along the way, you know. And even if you kind of have to take a couple bruises, um, yeah. So tell tell me a little bit um, going that going all in process. Um, did you feel like so you know being from like a small town, Logan, Utah? Um, Mm-hmm. That you needed to make a big jump, like music scene-wise. Once you started saying, "Okay, like this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a music producer." Um, I, I love working with all these different artists. Did you ever make say, "Okay, I got I got to uproot and go to L.A.," um, or was did you where was the compromise there? I don't feel like that's a good question. I don't feel like that I've ever made any compromises. To be completely honest with you. Um, I mean, LA is is on the table and will always be on the table. But so would Austin, and so would any mm-hmm. place else, you know. And so, and so it's it's actually kind of interesting because um, I think that there is this idea or this mentality of like, oh, you know, to survive, to actually make it, you have to like go to New York or LA or wherever, right? Um, but it's interesting because like I, my philosophy has always been like work really hard and kind of just let things play out like they're supposed to and so you know i know a lot of people that 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 kind of panic yeah if the money's not coming in or they panic if they're like i'm not reaching the level of success i want and then they start kind of aggressively pursuing the ideas of how to like of how to like get bigger or make more money and i say ideas very deliberately because like there's this idea that oh, if I want to be more famous, I have to move to L.A. or I have to move to here. It's like, oh, if I want to make more money, I have to go to school and get a degree and then find somebody to work. You know, it's like there's all these ideas um, of how to kind of reach that next level. And I guess for me personally, like, I've just been, I've had so many opportunities come to me because I feel like I'm committed and I just, I try to work really, really hard and I always hand in the best work I possibly can and therefore like look if LA makes sense at any point then it's like cool I'm not gonna say no but like I'm also not going like oh man things aren't things aren't really legit until I get out of you know Provo Utah and it's just like man like dude there are so many amazing things happening around me that it's like I, I guess I just don't feel any weird unnecessary pressure to you know like follow the whatever the idea or the path is that people think that you kind of have to, whatever, you know how it is. Like well, when you graduated high school, your, your parents probably were like, Hey, you need to go to college. Right. right. I mean, I guess I'm just, I guess I'm just saying it's like, there are so many, there are definitely like the ideas of what you're supposed to do. And I'm always like, man, I, I think I'm just supposed to try to be a good dad, number one, and a good husband, you know, number one. And then, 
and then try to provide for my family. And so it's like, cool, as long as those are at the top of my priority list, like I don't have to live in New York, <laughs> you know, yeah. whatever, I don't know. Do you feel like the way that the, the, the way that music and artists are able to sort of uh, promote themselves now and, and with streaming and just the way the technology has changed in the industry, has that helped you as a producer work with people maybe you wouldn't have been able to otherwise or has it has it made it easier to just be like I can really be anywhere and I mean we're recording this podcast we're not in the same room you know sure. it's just yeah. kind of an, an interesting technology that didn't exist you know maybe 10 years ago sure it's an interesting it's an interesting conversation for sure because again like um, I know a lot of I know a lot of people in the music world that um, are kind of freaked out a little bit about how easy it is for any 15-year-old kid to borrow their parents' computer and pirate a copy of Fruity Loops and make mm -hmm. beats and have a SoundCloud page or put it up mm -hmm. on Spotify mm -hmm. or whatever, right? And I know that that kind of freaks a lot of people out because there's this idea of, like, man, like, the, the, whole, the whole reason we had labels was to help kind of find the good stuff and kind of sort through that, which isn't true. Um, so the accessibility has definitely made my job different than I thought it would be. Um, but man, I just, again, like, I just think that there are, there are enough kind of like pros and cons. Um, I think there are enough pros and cons with the accessibility that, um, man, like anything else, it's like just figuring out how to use it to your advantage. Like, I love the fact that like, that yeah, we can be talking over Skype. I love the fact that I can work with a band that lives in LA and we can send some ideas back and forth and knock some tunes out. Like I guess I just I love I love the fact that I don't have to always be in the same room as somebody. But then I also like sometimes I get bummed out that I don't get to always just be in the same room in a studio with somebody. You know, yeah. I guess I know that that's kind of a non-answer, and I feel bad for ever giving non-answers to people. <laughs> no, it's not a non-answer. No. I think the interesting thing is, or the follow-up I would ask is, the creative process must change a little bit because, like, I love music too. I, I watch a lot of documentaries on like some of my favorite bands, and you always hear the story of how the album was created. We mm -hmm. we burrowed into a studio for mm -hmm. a month, and yeah. we came out with these twelve tracks or whatever. And this yeah. was based on our time living here or there. But it's interesting to me too is like maybe the creative process has changed a little bit. Like, has it allowed you to cr still feel like you're creating the kind of music you set out to create, or how has that evolved over time? You know. Sure. You know. Again, like. First of all, again, it's a great it's a great question, a good conversation, because I don't think that there is a a perfect answer to that. Meaning, like, dude, there is something that is beautiful and romantic about five people getting in a room somewhere for a month and not leaving until they like leave with a record. And it's like you can you can hear that. I guess I just don't I don't feel like creativity art, I should say. I don't feel like art um should be should be governed by rules like mm -hmm. that right and so like who knows like I, there are times where i'm just sitting by myself in in the basement and playing with some new musical toy that i probably shouldn't have purchased but i did <laughs> compulsively and um and by just tinkering with it something really incredible happens and you just you're like cool and you plug it in and you hit record and something is built from that and and i go cool is this any less artistic is this any less musical is this any less creative than spending you know a hundred thousand dollars to rent out some 
house in LA for a month. You know, I, I guess I'm just saying it's like I don't feel like I don't feel like the process should have ever needed to change. I guess is my answer to your question because the process is part of the art, you know, and and sometimes sometimes that process means locking yourself in a room and sometimes it means hearing some weird sound at the hardware store and you pull out your phone and you hit record and you bring it back to your house and make something out of it. And I think that music has always, the, the coolest music has always been people trying to push the boundaries of their environment, right? So it's like the, the Beatles didn't have the same recording capabilities that we did now, but they weren't, they weren't beholden to, well, this is how people 10 years ago were recording, so it's not art if we don't do it the same way they did it. Mm -hmm. Just like the people in the 80s didn't say, okay, well, if we don't do it exactly how the Beatles did it, it's not art. I'm just going like, dude, no, like, art is people taking their environment and their surroundings and creating something from that and hopefully having it be compelling and, you know, hopefully it communicates with the people consuming that. But I guess I just, I guess I don't feel beholden to any sort of like, well, here's how it's done. Mm -hmm. And so if you do, if you don't do that, then it's kind of this cheap version of it. It's just like, man, like, and like, fine, then, then we shouldn't be watching TV, you know, right. because TV was pushing the boundaries of radio. We probably shouldn't listen to radio because, you know, whatever. Yeah, it'll always evolve. Like yeah. it's it's way different to make music ha now than it was ten years well, ago, twenty years ago. Sure. You know, the CDs, and then there was the cassette tapes, and before that it was LPs, and yeah. Oh, so it's always always, always going to change. Instead of lamenting that, we should embrace it and be like, right. "That's yeah. rap." I, I just liked how you highlighted, you know, like pushing the boundaries. There's not necessarily any rules, and I'm sure you. I mean, you've collaborated with so many um, different people in your industry, and it's been cool to like. Because I, I don't feel like I'm very gifted in, in that space, but to see you, like, hear something and then come up with, like, listen to it later, I'm like, I don't know how you got that and got it to this point, but it's been really cool. But what do you feel like, uh, since you've worked with so many different people, uh, Nate, what's been some, like, the favorite, your favorite artist to work with? And who are some of, like, yeah, a lot of that, the different yeah, artists that you say, that's, that's That's too unfair to ask me because, yeah. again, I feel like, I feel like each project that, that like I get the chance to like work on or any band that I get to work with or artists that I get to work with, they definitely like they fill they fill a different void kind of in my in my musical heart. So it's like I don't I, I can't say that I've had like a favorite necessarily. Um, some of the some of the people that I continue to um, look forward to working with you know definitely would be you know the moth and the flame but that's you know again because they're basically brothers to me as far as i'm concerned mm -hmm. and there is something that is unique and awesome about being like hey this was kind of our first go at it both of us you know and we kind of able to figure out how to make it work for both of us um you know i love working with uh, my buddy spencer who um is the main guy of the band sago um i love um, you know, I love jamming with him. You know, he's super creative. Um, both Libby and Spencer from Mido, you know, obviously are a big deal. Whatever. It's like I can't, I can't start listing too many people, yeah. or it's going to be like, you know, if any of the people that I've worked with listen, they're going to be like, why didn't he say me? Right. I'm going to get a bunch of weird text messages. So, I don't you know, know my favorite. Those, those I... were also some of the first people that I ever got to like work on their albums. So, you know, that's, you know, that's probably partly the reason. Obviously, you know, my friend um, Finn. Bjornsson, you know, who I work with still quite a bit. 
um, you know, and Ryan uh, Cascade, Ryan Radden, mm-hmm. like that. You know, obviously that's that's a that's such an, an amazing working relationship. Whenever whenever I get to hang out with with Cascade and and listen to tunes and try well, to write lyrics. Speaking so. of like Finn and Cascade, um, who's who would you say musical like taste like what they produce mirrors your own like style style and whose would you say like has pushed you like creatively like that's well, way different I'm, than what you would think of to come up with in terms of stylistically or you know creatively etc sure i mean um man dude i don't know i mean it's hard to say like like i've been working with this kid named sid um uh who does like hip-hop music mm-hmm. um you know me and my me and my friend mckay like have been have been kind of jammed with that dude and that stuff's intense because like I don't have a background in hip hop, but you know, but he's such a cool dude. He's just like, Hey, but I don't want, I don't want you to come in and act like a hip hop producer. He's like, I want you to produce my hip hop tune. Like you would produce a tune that you just think is good. And so, you know, what's his name? So So we could like our, our our listeners could look him up. Oh, uh, he goes by citizen King. His name is uh, Sid Baptista. Mm -hmm. Um, citizen King, citizen King. Yeah. King. King, yeah, K I N G. Nice. Yeah, so he's super cool. Um, you know, obviously, obviously, I had never set out to do dance music. So when I when I started working with um, Cascade, like he obviously, you know, obviously was opening a whole new world of that of that world that I, you know, again, it's like when when you think dance music, pretty much everybody just that doesn't know just thinks like. Oh, you mean like unza, 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 unza for like ten minutes? And it's like, of course, I thought that too, right? Yeah. And it's funny because, uh, you know, like Ryan would give me a bunch of that. That is Cascade. When I say Ryan, I probably shouldn't be so formal, but or so not formal, but Cascade would would give me songs to listen to. Look at this guy name dropping over here after we ask him to name drop. I'm sorry. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of a way to have this conversation for sure. But anyways, Ryan would be like. Hey man, listen to a bunch of this stuff, you know, and um, you know, like, kind of his longtime collaborator Finn would be like, "Hey, listen to this stuff," and and realize like, this is such a more nuanced genre of music, and that really pushed me because I was like, "Oh man, like I make art rock records," you know, right. <laughs> like I don't know, you know, like I write folk songs. So, but um, I think that's so then, cool though that you can cool, branch though. into so many different genres of music yeah. just understanding music. You know, hip hop, folk songs, art rock. Or not understanding. Yeah. To be completely honest, <laughs> like honestly, it's like like I know that that kind of is like flipping, but it's not like like the fact that I don't know why I'm supposed to do something in some genre means that I'm not going to obey some you know, like yeah. weird arbitrary rule. I'm just like, yeah, no, I'm I'm going to try try just to hopefully write a good song and hopefully that works in whatever genre you wrap it up in what's awesome and actually. I think it goes back cool to like point. you're testing your boundaries too there's no ba- cool. there's no boundaries because well, you, know, you haven't set those on yourself yeah. Yeah, well no just... but if you were a scholar of like let's say contemporary like uh, composers or something you know and maybe you're an expert on it maybe your what you create is going to be a product of that but when you approach something oh, like hip hop with ignorance well, it's like there's no rule so here cool. I'm just doing this thing just, and I what think, sounds good what yeah, yeah, Maybe, yeah exactly. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's just influences. I mean, if that's what your influence is, of course, that's going to show up in your music. Yeah, you know, yeah. so whatever. Uh, so, uh, Nate, is there something that you, 
like within the music industry that you you don't like to just really mm-hmm. get you or what mm-hmm. what don't you like about the music industry um it's interesting i don't know i don't know i guess i think that there's a ton of, there's a bunch of like music that i might not care for yeah um, what music do you not listen to i mean whatever spice Girls. i'm not gonna do my 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 job. You my can't job pigeonhole yourself to say potential employees. <laughs> okay. You said so country I, and <laughs> Rastafari and everyone. Dude, country. I'm not. I'm not a well, pop country. I love but, old country, but man, I hate pop country. Not so much like what music you don't like, but like just the processes of things. Yeah, or like you know, I discovered a new genre of music. My friend in uh, New Jersey, his buddy started a band, and it's called trap country. Have you heard of this? What? Um, I think so, and I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. Uh, and like, it's literally like uh, trap beats slowed down and country music sung Sick. over it. Over the top of it. I think country music has appropriately the reputation for just being like the stupid version of like any other genre of music. And I know like somebody's going to text me about this. But like pop country, really, I can't think of anything worse. Um, but as far as like, as far as processes go, like, I don't like that. There is one thing I, I guess I can say that I truly despise. I despise people that um, that prey on on young artists because, mm. unfortunately, now that music is so accessible, yeah. it seems like kind of like everybody knows somebody in the music business, quote unquote, whatever that is. Everybody kind of knows somebody that works as an intern at some label, and then these people kind of go out and prey upon like people even in like my community where I get a lot of young people saying like oh hey I just met this dude that works for like Capitol Records and you're like no he doesn't and they're like yeah but his buddy is like right. one of the main people over there and he said like if I sign over like all of my rights for the rest of my life including like my name and brand he'll help make me a star and I'm like that dude's just a predator but unfortunately, this young person is probably so scared that this is their only chance to make it, that they'll like sign that deal and then regret it for the rest of their lives. So I actually, but that, and that's, wow. I'm sure that's been around forever, but that is something that it feels like in my world has gotten, has become more prevalent. And I truly actually despise those people, not yeah. just that that's process. That's crazy that you say that I because I almost feel like my, my, tendency would be to believe that it's it's should be coming the opposite as more people like approach no. music as their own brand you know it, everybody can create it, put it out like the no. chance the rappers of the world or whatever where you yeah, know, you not think, signed right? or anything so like you would think that like if not you don't... signing is something totally different sorry i didn't mean to cut you off Gavin. no you're good i was saying not signing to a record deal is totally different than what is happening and what is happening is a bunch of people that probably aren't ready to be famous yet and probably don't have their songs there but are so worried and deep down maybe they even know that they're not ready to make it yet look at this as such like a oh man if i don't take this chance then i'll never be famous and and they're they're scared and so they make a decision because they're scared and i guess that's kind of my thought is that you know like i it makes me sad because I wish I could, and I try to always tell these people like, hey, look, you're not good enough yet. You're not ready enough yet. And that's good for me to tell you this so that you don't do something stupid. Instead, be like, hey, I'm going to get better. And and then when the time comes that I know that I'm good enough, I would never sign anything stupid like this, right? right. And so I guess that's kind of why 
why I despise these people is because I feel like they're genuinely taking advantage of people where they see like, hey, cool, maybe this person could develop into something awesome and I might make a quick buck and it costs me nothing up front to, I'm, I'm taking no risk. I could go out and sign every 17-year-old, you know, kid with a good voice, you know, mm -hmm. and and all hundred of these kids all think, oh my gosh, like this is my one chance to make it. And, and then when inevitably they don't because they're not good enough, they are like, cool, now I guess I'll just go and do something else with my life and I'm like man you, you could have been really good you know but I don't know I wonder just as a quick follow up like I'm just wondering if that is sort of a uh, symptom or a consequence of the, the fact that record companies and correct me if I'm wrong you maybe to maybe to survive as like one of these labels as one of these people you, you have to just be signing a million unproven acts more than you had before where you had all the power and people were sure coming to you like is there maybe a fear there that they've just got to grab everybody while they can in and yeah they're not going to pay them because who, el who yeah. else well, would yeah first of all it's not the labels that are doing this oh. like it's literally just freaking schmucks that like <laughs> <Just> schmucks. <laughs> that literally like no like one of their best friends from high school that they haven't talked to in 10 years like works wow. at the front desk of Columbia. You know what I mean? I guess I'm just saying it's like this. It's not the labels that are doing this because believe it or not, labels have had to learn how to really like trim the fat. Like yeah. they can't just be signing anybody anymore. And they usually won't sign you unless you have something really profitable already happening because they just don't, they're not, they're not the same. They're not the same money makers that they used to be in some in some aspects, and so like mm -hmm. the labels themselves would never just go around signing people like they used to, mm -hmm. and and now it's definitely more just these like freaking creep predatory homies that just whatever that are just like you know these people that just whatever, yeah. and they're they're hoping just to kind of shortcut the system too and just make a couple quick bucks. So, so having this experience of like working. Um, for as long as you have producing music, what at this point gives you the most satisfaction? Um, and when you look down the road 10, 15 years, like what do you like? What would be the goal place to be in in, in terms of the music you've created? I mean, there's there's that's a that's a very that's a that's a that's a heavy amazing question. Que oh, okay. No, it is an amazing question. But there's there's <laughs> like there's no way I'd, I'd be able. Thanks. I, I Dude, came up with it. I never heard a better question. No, it's true. Um, I mean, I think that I I think that like so many of my goals have already been reached, which is like brag about. I it. <laughs> don't have a boss. Yeah. I work in my basement and watch documentaries on Netflix all day while I'm working. I continue to meet new amazing people that are also like super artistic. Um, I teach young people at a charter high school and I oh, love awesome. them to death. And and that and even though like we get paid hardly anything, like the fulfillment from that is just I mean, it's there you couldn't put a price on it. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. Yeah. It's like Do you dude, teach I, music? Uh yeah, I teach productions. <laughs> well no, and, my, my mom used no, to I teach at the charter high school. Yeah. Um and Melody. you know, yeah, she well she ended up teaching a lot of subjects just because of last year she was it was a charter oh, high school, you know. Yeah. She she had a music background and an English background and so yeah. she taught quite a few things there, but so. Yeah, so anyways, whatever, dude. I mean whatever. I hang out with my friends and make money 
playing songs with them. I mean, like, dude, what? Like, that is my ultimate goal. Like, like, I mean, would there could there be like, hey, I would love to have more money. Like, yeah, of course. Would I love to start finding ways to take on less projects so that I could spend more time with my kids? Like, yeah, like th those are definitely part of my ultimate goal. Like, do I want to, you know, I want to release some of my own music, which you know I have kind of underway. Like, you know, what I mean, it's like there's a lot of there's a lot of things like that that I guess you could say would be an ultimate goal. But it's like, man, I. I, I guess I would never be, I would never be so ungrateful to just as to like overlook like holy crap man like I have like I am one hundred percent living the dream at least what my dream is and like I mean like I've reached my goals you know so hashtag whatever. attitude of gratitude one of those goals being this one of those goals being on like podcast. go buy that song because of Cascade and myself both appreciate it. <laughs> okay. All our listeners Done. go buy that song because Nate and Cascade both appreciate it. Um, so Nate, one more question here and then we'll yeah. finish up with uh, some rapid fire questions in the hot seat because yeah. I know you got to get out of here. But yeah, yeah, um, You got a documentary on your basement on pause right now, I'm sure. Um, no. So obviously you're, you're LDS. How do you yep. feel that uh, being LDS has shaped your career? Do you feel like, um, do you feel like it's caused challenges um, or provided opportunities? Kind of walk us through how you feel about sure. that. Sure. Um, I don't feel like as far as challenges go, like uh, I have, I could, I literally can't think of a single challenge that it's ever posed because like, um, you know, like my faith is, like what really just makes up who I am, you know, right. creatively and just as a person, you know, I mean, whatever, I guess I'm just, it's like a lot of people have asked like, well, how does your religion like influence your music? And I'm like, I guess I don't, I've never felt like it's influenced it any less than, oh, that's just part of who I am as a person. And so like, I guess it influences 100%, but yet at the same time, I'm like, I don't feel like that means that I have to be going around writing songs like praise jesus you know all the time or whatever you, again like i guess it's it's an interesting question because like i feel like i feel like it's another one of the things that just kind of like makes me who i am and so um so yeah so that it just works for me um as far as opportunities go um yeah, I mean, it's it actually has provided me a ton of opportunities to. Um, I mean, as you know, Cascade is also Mormon, um, and you know we've you know we were introduced you know through through Finn, um, you know through again just through like the Utah community, kind of the Mormon community here, and um, and so yeah, you know, and again a lot of the people that I work with, you know, I I I mean the whole reason I even live where I live is because one of my friends, um, Hoon. Uh, was one of my mission companions, and then we played, we played in a band together. And then, uh, by the way, pray for him, pray for him. <laughs> um, and then, because uh, he needs it, he needs a lot of prayers. Um, 
and so whatever. I guess I'm just saying it's like I, I don't feel like I don't feel like it, it plays a small part in anything. It, it is just kind of I don't know. Does that make any sense? Like it yeah. just is me, you know. It's, it's so a part of who you are. so sure. Of, of, of course, it shaped my career, you know, because every decision I make is 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 determined by you know who I am as a person. That's awesome. All right, man. Well, um, we have a little segment here where Gavin just is going to rip off about Dude, this five, is six fastest questions. It's going to be really weird. It's the Gav. Dude, Wait, Gav's got, it's weird. called Gav's Got Questions. Oh Rapid fire with Gav. Yeah. Right, um, Gavin. But and you know, yeah, like the you rule said, is you just can't weird. think about it and just, just, just give us a little... Uh, you can't think or pray about it. Yeah, you, just you can't pray about it. No, you just yeah. got to get... Just first, you can have a prayer in your heart if you want to... Yeah, I have, have that in your heart, man. Because I know this is going to be weird. All right, let's go. <laughs> All right, man. So uh, I'm just going to say it. And I just first thing that comes to your mind, just rattle off. No judgment zone. Okay. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Jeez. What's the most points you've dropped in a church ball game? Oh man, I don't know, twenty. Lie, but no. <laughs> you think it's more? I, I can tell you how many more. I dropped in more. I think it's been more. I've seen you drop more. I can I can tell you how many I dropped in City League game. Okay, let's go that real quick. How many? Forty-three. Oh, that's what's up. Oh. Um, it was a it was a during a business league go, and it was a bunch of freaking old dudes that worked mm-hmm. at like a steel bill or something mm-hmm. so it's not like it's not like i was like it was blowing six up. foot and under 60 and over <laughs> yeah well, was that great. um what's your favorite star wars character um i like uh lando whatever oh, yeah. that dude's name is lando yeah, yeah, yeah. calrissian I yeah i love him and i'm <laughs> super alert. stoked that, that glover is going to be playing him in like the remakes who is danny he's a compelling character to me you know danny who's playing him you didn't hear about danny. donald Donald oh, Donald Glover. Glover. I was going to say, Danny Glover's so old. <laughs> no, oh, Donald cool. Glover. Yeah. Childish Gambino. I just going along with it. Um, no, he's I awesome. heard he's dropping the Childish Gambino. I know, and it bums me out. Me too, that I like the music. Yeah. All right, um, keep going. All right, what's the craziest thing to happen to you on tour or recording? Oh, man. Wait for the book. <laughs> okay. You're going to have a tell-all? Um, what's the best Snapchat you've ever sent or received? I don't have Snapchat because I think it's for posers. Okay, Instagabins. Do you have it? You have Instagabins. Instagram. Dude, Instagram I use solely to follow uh, to follow drunk people doing things. <laughs> <laughs> What's the best gift you've ever been given? Uh, you better say my something children. from Christmas. What? My children. Oh, that is. Is that too sappy? No, no, see, no. I've no. also been given. Um, I don't know. I've been given some sweet clothes. My buddy Ryan Innes gave me this awesome Utah Jazz, um, like kind of like board, like wooden wooden uh, wall hanger board that his sister made. So that was pretty amazing. I think my best it's gift the was that counts. the gift, the shirt you gave me with your face on it. Dude, that is the best <laughs> gift I've ever given. You didn't ask me that question. Well, yeah, it was it was gonna be the follow up question. Um, Gavin's yeah. wearing it. I didn't actually put two and two together, but I was uh, like, whose mug is on your chest? It's me. How how's your fantasy football team looking this next year? Oh my gosh, dude! I'm gonna tell you right now because in my in my long time dynasty league, I've basically been getting beat for like the last five years, but I've been I've been being sneaky and getting some good trades and drafting well. I'm gonna tell you what my starting lineup is. Okay, let's hear it. Jameis Winston, which is whatever, but I have Boom. Ben Roethlisberger. No, he'll be good. That's it's got fine. Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson this year. Dude, hold on, just wait Sorry. for it. Sorry, Stop Antonio Brown, who I got off of waivers like what? four years ago 
Odell Beckham Jr., who I got off of waivers four weeks into the season before he made the sickest grab ever against the Dallas Cowboys while getting a personal foul called against him, um, or for him, I suppose. I have um, Le'Veon Bell as my running back one. I have Melvin Gordon as my running back two, and Jordan Howard, who I picked up last season, as my third running back. I just traded away Mike Evans to get T.Y. Helton, Jordan Reed, and uh, Jay Ajayi oh, back. All and um, and then I had Travis Kelsey from a different draft as well. Oh, so yeah, that's that's my starting that's my starting lineup. Love it. Hey, I've been putting in the work, and this year <laughs> I'm not going to lose. Hey, that's uh, just put in the work. Good things will happen. Um, okay, if you could eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? One food. Pizza, probably. Nice. Or mashed potatoes. Man, I love both of those. Um, what's something really weird that you're super proud of? Something really weird about you that you're super proud of? Dude, I don't know, man. Dude, that's a weird question. Thanks, I don't know. <laughs> subjective, dude. Weird. What does that even mean? Weird, weird. Um, I don't know. That other people might not be as proud of, maybe? Oh, I don't know. Like, I'll ask. I'll ask my friend Mason, and I'll 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 uh, I'll text you. Yeah, tweet it at us. Tweet 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 at me. Tweet it at you. <laughs> Snap it, bro. Um, no, and that's that, it. That proposers. I, I took it easy on you. Yeah, Dude, here's something that's really weird about me. I've oh. never taken a selfie and posted it. That's actually and you're that proud of that because you volunteered. I'm, I'm more proud of that than probably anything socially. Yes. And I can vouch for that's 100 percent true. I hate because Gavin scours your profile for selfies. No, just every time Dude, I'm with my high school kids people, did. They yeah. tried to find one. Oh. They tried to find me taking a picture of myself and putting it up online, and I refused to do it. Dude, I don't even take selfies with my mom. No, oh. like me, I feel like me and Nate are similar. If anybody tries to take a picture of us, we're like, nah. Yeah, we get a lot of people coming up trying to yeah, take pictures all the of time. us all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And they're like weird. Mostly like, if we go to Japan, or whatever. You know, yeah. <laughs> they don't see a lot of people. Okay, so let's finish it up. This has been super fun. Um, yeah, we always, so. we end every podcast with a little game we like to call Hot Seat. Have you ever heard of it? Yeah. All right, well, our version, this is how it works. I'm going to ask you a really interesting personal question, and so is Gavin. And then after uh, you answer both of those questions, you get a chance to flip it on us or um, ask us a different one. Ready? All right. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to go first. My Hot Seat question is tell me a day in your life you want to redo and why. You, wanna, you, need, a, you need a do-over. Okay. Do I have to answer this now or do I wait for Gavin? Um, now and then I'll uh, okay. ask mine, right? Yeah. yeah. Here's, a day in, here's a day in my life I wish I could live over. When I was like ooh, maybe like nine years old, I was at this scout camp thing in Logan at the fairgrounds there by like Willow Park. And everybody's having a good time or whatever. And one of the ladies that was like the leader, she was like, all right, you have to do the zip line thing. And like as you do the zip line thing, I'm going to like, like she she would like squirt like a squirt bottle or or like a, a whatever like a super soaker or something as we're going down and i was like okay don't super soak me though and she was like okay and as i was doing the zip line she like soup she like hit me with the super soaker and like i freaked out and like grabbed it from her and like poured all the water on her or something like that and she was like crying and stuff like that and like everybody was just like it was like the record had like screeched like and everybody was just staring at me and then i just like walked home and got in serious trouble but it didn't matter how much trouble i got in i've still never been able to get that gross feeling out of my my gut that i felt when i freaking hosed her down with that 
was like, dude, why was I so freaking weird and neurotic <laughs> at nine years old? Like, Don't super on, soaker me. I told I was, you like, not to super soaker dude, me. That's your you fault. Have no, you have no idea the guilt that I still like hang <laughs> on to because of that. All right. Um, all right. So, Nate, um, all right. what single event has had the biggest impact on who you are? Um, hmm. Dude, I don't want to just say the kids thing because that's too easy. Yeah. Let me think. Um, don't say dude, being probably, born. Dude, probably honestly, like another really profound one was when I uh, when I like jacked my knee up playing basketball in high school, mm-hmm. like uh, like during warmups of all places in like the preseason, I like screwed up some meniscus or whatever in my knee, and. I had spent like the entire summer before basically just trying to like work as hard as I possibly could to be not only like on the team but be like good and play and things had been definitely looking promising at that point for that and then the knee injury basically just derailed all of that but that was at the same time my dad got me a bass for Christmas and I started doing music kind of like with my friends to kind of fill that time that I had been spending doing basketball. So that ended up actually having a very profound change, you know, again, like I would have never, you know, played in the NBA or anything. And so it's like what I ended up doing instead is something now that I do as a career. So that's actually really cool. That's really cool. It's like one of those tipping point moments. It it really was. At the time I was just sad and depressed and all of that, but it ended up working out. Nice. Do you want to flip one of those questions back to us or ask your own? Um, Let me think. Let me think. Um, all right, here's my question. If you if you could get followed on Twitter by any single person, your podcast, I mean, who would who would be the person on Twitter that you would want to follow your podcast? Oh, that's such a freaking good question. I know. Anybody. No. Uh, don't try to Do you know him? <laughs> I want you to tell me who it is because I want to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna start shooting out like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, they want you to follow them, so make it somebody good. My first, my first thought was Will Ferrell. Okay, that's a good one. And but then I thought, but that was before you said the podcast. Um, Yeah. But I, I would still have him be up there. I would love for the biggest like podcasters to follow us too. I know, Joe Rogan. All right, dude, I love him. Yeah, okay. I love him. I like that's a good answer, um, too. Or like Bill, Bill Simmons would be one that I would love to have followed. I like you. Bill Simmons, but he's such a dick sometimes. He is a dick, <laughs> and so is Colin Coward, but I listen to their yeah. podcasts I do pretty too, religiously. But I, I actually, ever since Hayward went to Boston, I've stopped listening. I literally I haven't listened to can't handle Bill Simmons' Celtics all the freaking time. Okay, yeah. so actually, last person I would love to have follow us, just because I think that would give so much credibility just as humans, Malcolm Gladwell. Dude, that dude's yeah. He's I'm brilliant. Totally he's a podcaster. Yep. I lo- yeah, I worship great. his books. Yep. That would be number one. Same Good. Question. So go ahead and hook that up. I know you know each other, so. Good. Now I'm gonna work on it. <laughs> Same question, try- me. I'm gonna try to give him a follow. Okay, Gavin, what you got? Michael Bolton. Oh, I'm <laughs> no, so nervous. I'm oh my gosh. Okay, whatever. <laughs> no, just, I do like Michael Bolton, but we talked about that last time Chelsea's on. No, that's a. Oh man! I mean, you know, President Trump. I thought about that, but if Barack followed us, that'd be cool. Oh, that'd be legit. I love Barack. I don't know him that well, but um, I don't know. That is a great question. Like, I'm a, you know, I'm a huge sports guy, obviously, Nate. And I honestly, I think 
Well, and you know I'm a huge baseball guy. So if it was like, and if if I wanted him to be like LES, I would actually love if Bryce Harper mm, followed us because oh I do I like that I'd too like to yeah I think actually. that would be so cool I mean he's obviously right. amazing um, and I love sports so I think that would be really cool if Bryce Harper cool. Nate we're gonna come to your studio and do another one of these with one of your other LDS artists if that's cool with okay. you yeah sure sweat you guys um, should all come to I should you guys should also come to my show next week so I'll tell you off the tell air us, yeah. no tell us about it on the air why not yeah. Um, well, we're playing down at Valor on uh, the 26th, 25th, crap, 25th of August. We're playing with uh, Dallin Weeks' new band, who's the bass player of uh, Panic at the Disco. Oh, nice. He'll be, he'll be in town. His new band, IDK, is playing. My band, Penguin Mofex, is playing. And a band called The Fangs, which is a new band from around here, will be playing. So, Are you, bring at, the, on are you at the Valor a lot? I, I go to Valor all the time, yeah. Cool. I, that's, you, where you I claim that, that's where I claim that I'm from musically. Like, nice is Valor, Utah. Everybody Valor, check that Utah. out. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for okay. participating thanks, in our Dan. podcast. Um, Appreciate Just guys. a quick plug. If you want to follow us, um, our Facebook page is called Peculiar People. Same with YouTube. Instagram at the, the Peculiar PPL. Um, that's the same with Twitter. Our website is thepeculiarppl.com. Um, you can follow myself at NLCoolJ21 and Gavin is at InstaGavins. And I'm guessing you're Nate Pfeiffer, but make sure not to post any selfies with this guy. It'll blow up his whole spot. Dude, it's going to mess things up. Don't do it. Spend his whole life being proud of that. All right, this has been the Peculiar People Podcast. Peace. Now I ain't riding no waves. Too busy making my own waves.